Hello and a big welcome to all of you out there who are listening and looking and a very big welcome to you. Uh, Ingrid Kristin Henry from Minnesota. Welcome to you. Thank you. Thanks for having me on this podcast. It's nice to have you here and I'm so excited because I think that we might be colleagues. So uh, please tell us about your life. How did you get into horses and how, uh, what are you doing today? I guess I'll tell you a little bit about what I do today and then I'll back up and tell you how I got here. That's My... that's good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My business is called Harmonious Equestrian Connection. And I, until I'd met you, I was the first person I knew of who was focusing on the relationship piece of horsemanship. Most trainers, I think, focus on riding or, or even groundwork or, you know, the, the technical aspects of it. And my focus is a little bit more on the connection that you build with your horse and some of that delves into more the psychology and the mindset and um, well, the emotional aspect of a relationship with another creature. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense for me to be doing this because I do have a degree in psychology. I, as a child, had always wanted to to do something with horses. And then by the time I was even in um, my later years in school, I wanted to be a counselor a psychologist. Yes. And I I realized as time went on and I I had actually a traumatic incident that happened to me in my mid 20s. And I realized that that career path might not be quite right for me. I had I was dealing with a lot of the trauma while I was in graduate school for psychology. I was in a program to that was studying marriage and family therapy. And I realized that it would take a big toll on me hearing people's difficulties, you know, psychology in that sense of providing therapy to people who are going through a really difficult time or um, had a diagnosis. I, I wasn't interested as much in, in prescribing medication, being a psychiatrist, a, a doctor. Um, but I realized that I maybe wasn't cut out for that, but I wanted to help people. And I wanted to use my knowledge that I had learned through school and life and, yeah. and all that in order to help people in their relationships specifically. But it took me a long time to find this path. Um, I turned 40 this year and I just started my business. So in the meantime, I did all kinds of other things. I okay. was a, uh, mentoring coordinator for a youth mentor program for I think seven or eight years. So I would match adult volunteers with children in need of a role model and they would get together and I would kind of supervise that relationship and, and give them ideas of things to do together or ways to work out any conflict that came up or that sort of thing. So I have a lot of experience in relationship coaching in that sense. And then for the last eight years, I've been working for a saddle shop uh, that sells equestrian tack and supplies. Uh, so I have that experience as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but I was just trying to find my way, you know, trying to figure out what, what I was meant to do and, and how best to go about it. That's fantastic. Uh, do you have horses yourself? I do. I, well, I have one. Yeah. I lost my 27 year old mare last fall. Okay. Um, but I have a four year old Frisian Oldenburg mare that I mm -hmm. have had since she was a foal. So I met her when she was like five weeks old. Yeah, that's great. So, yeah. I've really enjoyed the process of raising her. I think a lot of people have that dream to raise a foal. And not everyone feels up to it. It's not for mm. everyone. No. Um, but I really enjoy how much you can really bond with them when they mm. see you as such an important person in their life from such a young age. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's not very common that you have horses that that long. I think a lot of people today just focus on uh, maybe competition and they have a horse uh, for a couple of years and then the horse is not good enough or something like that. So for horses, it's it's uh, not so common to stay in the same place, but uh, I love it. I also have my own horses that I made. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. I, um, I'd previously, so I suppose I should back up a little bit. When I graduated college, as soon as I could, I got a horse of my own. I was looking for a barely started five-year-old or something like that because I wanted to have that horse a long time and I wanted mm -hmm. a young one, but I wanted one that had some training. I ended up with a yearling. Yeah. So uh, no training really to speak of, except she could pick her feet. You could pick her feet out and lead her. Um, but I just really felt drawn to her. And so she was my, my first horse as an adult and the one that I, the first one I raised. And she really became my, what I call my heart horse. Hmm. Um, I definitely prefer the keeping them their whole life perspective I not that I don't love riding and even competing but my focus has always been more on the relationship they're a member of the family for me yes I follow you <laughs> yeah yeah so well what what kind of things do you do with your customers um, do you are you online or is it one-to-one uh, -one or how how do you do it yeah, it's a bit of both. So I offer my customers the option if they are nearby and local, I am happy to travel to them and spend time in person with them mm -hmm. and their horse. That And even that experience can look different depending on what their goals are. So I had a client recently who's a competitive rider and trainer, a professional in her own right, and she had just bought a new horse and she wanted a little bit of help you know developing that relationship with him yeah so I would meet with her you know while be there while she was tacking him up if I felt that the horse was trying to communicate something to her I might kind of say something about that uh, this particular person already had a really good sense of horses and was listening but she did have one thing that she mentioned she was nervous every time she got off of him and she's like, I don't understand why I'm doing this because I, I wasn't scared. The ride went fine. And I helped her to realize in the first phone call, actually, before I'd even met the horse, that she was just feeling the pressure of being a professional, having a new horse, having bought him from a local professional. She felt like she needed to measure up. And as soon as she identified that anxiety or concern in herself, she no longer felt it. Every time she got off her horse after that, she was good with it, you know, like realizing she was getting to know her new horse and that's okay. And she didn't feel the pressure anymore, but I still helped her with some aspects of groundwork and riding to help her build her relationship with that horse and also a rescue horse that she'd had for a little while who had been a bit standoffish if that makes sense. It was not as friendly. Hmm. Um, and I think that horse had just had not very great experiences with people. Yeah. She was not aggressive in any way, but she was not as outgoing or comfortable. And they were able to develop a better connection through some groundwork exercises hmm. to supple the horse and relax the horse and um, that sort of thing. Yeah. And and what what I can feel as you tell here that that um, it was a pressure from outside for her, and mm -hmm. I feel many times my customers that is pressure from uh, from performing and what are other people thinking of me? Uh, I have been a rider for so many years, and, and this is this is difficult. It, it's not going that fast that I wanted to. And I think often you meet that with your customers. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. There's a lot of pressures on us that 
Well, sometimes we put on ourselves yes. and sometimes it's, it's actually from our outside world. So I also have another customer that I just meet with virtually, even though she is local. So we do a Zoom call like this and talk through her struggles with her barn and her horse. And she, I, I believe she actually has a good connection with her horse. It's more the people that she's struggling with. Yes. Uh, the pressures from a competitive dressage, dressage barn and the trainers that want her to ride better, even the friends that sometimes are trying to be supportive, but actually are maybe coming across as critical or judgmental. Mm. So any of that can can be pressures that we feel on the outside that can affect who we are and how we are with our horses. Yes, definitely. So I offer that sort of coaching as well. And that can be done remotely with anyone, anywhere. Yes. Even without okay. meeting the horse. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you can you can meet people all over the world with Zoom. That's a fantastic thing. I love it. And it's almost like being there, like you and me now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you do that work internationally as well? Yes, I do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yes, and um, I think that, that the horse is people's mirror, so uh, you have yes. to start with yourself first, and um, also, as you said, that, that it, it can just come. It doesn't have to be uh, people outside. It could be your own thoughts that you are not performing like you want to, and you have a stressed uh, daily work and and family and everything and when you come to the horse it's oh I just have to feel good but you don't <laughs> because you feel yes. the pressure you have to ride and you have to do this and otherwise the horse is not feeling good but um, I think that that the horse is is not begging you to ride it Mm -hmm. <laughs> what I agree. do you think <laughs> yeah they they're so sensitive to how mm -hmm. we're feeling and the energy that we're putting off if it's nervous energy or if it's stressed mm -hmm. I think sometimes they they might actually give us some signals that are like no thanks please yeah. don't ride me mm -hmm. that's right um, because they don't appreciate that energy as herd animals and prey animals they appreciate most when people are able to be calm and confident with them. Mm -hmm. So it's best if we can leave those anxieties or stressors, you know, at home, not, and not bring them with us to the barn, but yes. they also see it. And I think, I think one of the things that people have been taught is to hide it from horses yes. because they yes. know the horse exactly. is sensitive and will pick up on their fear or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't work. <laughs> Horses no. are too sensitive. They know. <laughs> they know. <laughs> the first thing you come in the stable, they know. <laughs> mm -hmm. They do. And it's yeah. interesting because some horses, when they notice that you're like that, will give you calming signals, will mm -hmm. um, sigh, look away, um, kind of invite you just to be in their space and in their mindset and help you to feel better. To, to let go of what you were thinking about, especially I think not so much on, when in the riding process, but more on the ground when you go get them, when you groom them or tack them up or any of that. Mm. And other horses see that kind of mindset in a person and, and really are very, they don't want anything to do with that. So I think it's interesting to see the different personalities of horses too mm. and their experiences. Yes. And how they react to, to people. Absolutely. And they, it, it can be a bit difficult because uh, you always hear from other people that you shouldn't be anxious when, you, when you're riding, when you're around the horse because they are big and they can do this and that. And, and they have to do as you say and think. Um, and and when you are anxious, 
you don't want to show it as you said it's it's uh, not common that you show it for for the people around you just think oh i just have to go on the horse and then it will be okay but uh, this is not the case yeah right i think it that's probably why i've found myself doing a lot of groundwork yeah i think horses and riders really benefit when you take the pressure of riding off, especially if the rider has any fear of riding, mm. which let's face it, all of us do at some point when we've been hurt from a fall or, uh, or maybe another thing is, is getting older and, and you know that if you were to fall, it would hurt more mm. or having children and feeling like you need to, you know, protect your life for them. There's so many things that can add to that fear. But if we do feel that, I think it really helps to take the pressure off. You have a horse. That's wonderful. Just enjoy your horse. Mm. Feel comfortable with them on the ground. And then we can transfer that to riding when you feel ready. Yes. Just like with a young horse. I had to go through that process myself with my young horse. I, I've loved her her whole life since she was a baby. But I had a fall on another young horse last year. And it took some work for me to realize that my young horse trusted me and I could trust her, mm -hmm. that she wanted to take care of me as long as I listened to her and my intuition and the, the day and the moment didn't just, I'm going to ride today regardless. Mm -hmm. um, but I could trust her if I listened to her. Yeah. And that, that fall that I had off the other young horse was definitely a situation where I was not listening to the horse. Mm -hmm. He gave me several warnings where he was nervous and he did a little spook and then I stopped him and then he did a little spook and then I stopped him. But the situation was still ongoing. There was another horse racing around the round pen inside yeah. the arena and it made him very nervous. And had I listened to him and gotten off and done some more groundwork, you know, we could have gone on to have a good ride, I think. But mm -hmm. I, I felt that well, I can handle this. I'm a new trainer. I need to just sit it out. And that's when he took off galloping and bucking. Yeah. And I can ride a gallop or a buck, but this was bronking and I'm not a cowgirl. <laughs> no. So um, I fell off and I learned that I need to listen to that intuition. Mm -hmm. If the horse isn't comfortable, take it back a step. Yeah, that's Get right. them to a more comfortable place and then you can proceed. It was and humbling, you, but I needed it. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, when you avoid this, you you avoid uh, accidents, big mm -hmm. accidents, because you know if your horse is not feeling well, and you back up, then then it's it's a lot better. Yeah, you can get them to a calmer place mm. when they can see you on the ground with them easier than from their back. And, you know, I, like I said, I've started my four-year-old and not had a, a single incident with her no. because we're taking it slow and I'm really mm -hmm. listening and um, giving her confidence as well. And the, and the big thing is that, as you said, you're taking it slow, um, that we human wants us to get, go much faster and uh, what I also recognize when I say to people, you have to back up, you have to take it easy, you take it step by step. Oh, it takes a long time. And now I'm up here and I want to go further. Um, but you never get further if you don't back up sometimes and listen and, and see what are you thinking, what are the horse thinking. Um, and, and when you have the good groundwork, then it will go much, much faster. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I totally believe that. And you think about it, even the top Olympians, when they teach a symposium or a clinic, they always go back to the basics of riding too, Yes. yes. right? So they know the importance of the very basics. It's mm -hmm. just our human nature to rush through things and get to the fun stuff. Yes. But um, it actually goes faster in the long run if you take the time to build the groundwork. So with my young horse, I've done 
lunging and double lunging. So where you have two lines. Yes. And some in-hand work off the bit. And, uh, you know, yielding her haunches and her shoulders. And I found that when I got on her, she already knew about bending through her body, bending at the, you know, flexing her neck. She knew what the rain aids meant. She knew what the legs meant. It was so easy. Mm. So in a way, putting in the time earlier does help you go faster later. Yeah. And of course, it's not just the, the technical aspects, but the mindset. If the horse feels confident in its handler and at ease in their herd and, and not fearful or anxious, but listened to, that helps everything as well. Mm-hmm. Then you know how to calm it down when you sit on the back afterwards. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And also for for a young horse that, that they build up their muscles, they they know how to put their legs, as you said, said and, and everything like that, so you don't damage them in their back. Yes. So right. you want to teach them how to carry a rider, how to use yeah. themselves in a healthy way. So yes. it's, it's holistic. It's everything that, that means a lot. Yes. And it's not just for young horses. I've no. gone through this experience with my young horse, but a lot of horses were not given that correct start in life. And you no. can you can do kind of a restart. You can teach them from the ground how to use their body better mm-hmm. and build up the right muscles and then proceed with ridden work and trans, you know transfer that into that as well. That's right. But now you have been talking about you have worked a lot with with people before, uh, relationships between people. Uh, Is it similar with a horse and and human? That's a really good question. Yes and no. Horses are certainly unique in some ways. I believe they have the same emotional capacity that we do, but they have some different priorities or needs uh for instance humans i think are a little more independent it's important for us to understand that horses need companionship they need a feeling of a herd at all times really and that's where people can come in if they are the right kind of leadership for the horse the horse feels like it's in a herd of two between the the horse and the person who's handling it Instead of being nervous or upset that they are apart from the herd that they get to go out with the rest of the day or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it certainly involves bringing in some knowledge of horse specific needs. But I do find that when people have challenges with their horse, sometimes those same things are seen in other relationships in their life. Um, For instance, you might have a person who doesn't have very good boundaries with their horse and they let the horse kind of walk all over them. They might also do that with people in their life. Mm -hmm. And it would be good for them to, um, to be a little clearer about what is okay and isn't okay in their relationships with others. On the other hand, sometimes you have a situation where um, maybe there's some fear with horses and riding And yet in another area of their life, they're very confident, maybe their workplace. And there they they can make decisions quickly. They can uh, stand up for their needs. You know, they can be a much stronger, more confident person. So sometimes I find that we find an area of their life that they are a different person in and try to translate that into their relationship with their horse. Mm -hmm. If it's in a good way, of course, but yeah that confidence might be something we could borrow in their horsemanship journey. Mm-hmm. Like an, an ex, what do you call it? Uh, actress that um, performing and uh, you, you put on a mask somehow and, yeah. uh, and go back to this person that is confident. Yeah, I think it can be helpful because I I actually had that experience when I was um, a child playing a musical instrument. My Mm -hmm. instructor asked me, is there an area of your life that you can compete and not get nervous? You know, how can we bring that attitude to your competing musically? 
-hmm. And it was actually horses that I felt confident in. And I think in some ways it's easier because at a dressage competition, for instance, you could be competing against yourself. You could just want a certain score or a certain feeling of we we got through the test, we did it accurately, Mm -hmm. whether or not the judge loved it, I'm happy with me and my horse. You can have those sorts of goals. Whereas in the music competition that I was doing, it was definitely more ranked and that was the outcome that mattered. And I think that pressure felt more to me than Mm -hmm. the individual goals that I had in my riding. It might be the opposite for someone else, but for me, that was how it felt. And I was able to take that feeling into the other area of my life. So I, I do try to help people do that if there's an area that they are more confident what makes you confident in this role and how do you feel? And, you know, how can we translate that into an area you're less confident in? Mm. I think often people need some tools and some, and just sort of a coach, someone who can see what they already Mm. bring to the situation. Yeah. I think a lot of riding instructors for better or worse, focus on what we don't do well. They tell us what our position could be better in. um, And they give us corrections more than encouragement. Yes. So I think part of the role of people like us is to identify what they do well also. Mm. Yeah. So you may be struggling with one thing, but you know, yeah. Yeah. Because we are our own enemies. (laughs) Enemies. Absolutely. Yes. And we are talking very bad to ourselves. Yeah. So I find it's very common in dressage specifically. Uh, Other disciplines, I'm sure, also struggle with it. But dressage seems to attract people who are perfectionistic. We -hmm. we want that 10 on the dressage score. Uh, We want it to be perfect. And I think that that can make us more critical of ourselves as well. And you have to be careful what you tell yourself. It's certainly, it has an impact and it can perpetuate either negative thoughts or positive thoughts. Mm. So I think part of the work I do and probably the work you do too, is encouraging people to see the positives in themselves and build on it. Yes. I know I, I learned that in school. <laughs> we have some uh, things we were doing and, and the one group, uh, they got just negative uh, and and all the fault they, they were doing. And the other group was um, being encouraging to do things. And uh, the group, the last group was doing much, much better than the other one. So it's... Uh, we are very bad to ourselves in that way. Yeah. And I sometimes I wonder how much of that is the, the instructors that we have, maybe at a young age, not knowing, mm-hmm. you know, not to, not to blame them, but, but they tell us what we do wrong and we ingrain yeah. what we do wrong mm-hmm. instead of what we do right. Yeah. Um, So I sort of wish that there was a bit of a trend in teaching towards more building on the positive. Mm -hmm. There is that movement with horses and and dogs in terms of positive reinforcement training or clicker training. I I feel like people would benefit from something similar. (laughs) That's right. Where you build on the positives. Uh, Obviously, I'm not saying you should be ignore the things you could do better, but if you feel like you have something positive you're bringing to a situation, it's easier to believe that you can improve mm. on the things that you want to. Yes. You are raised with, uh, when you are a little kid, they're always so nice to you until you are walking by yourself. Then they're starting, no, don't do that, don't do that, don't do that. <laughs> so we have it from we're children. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I think one of my principles is is to try not to say no mm-hmm. <laughs> to people, horses, dogs. Uh, it's not not that you never can. You can certainly go, eh, you know, not that way. But it's better to direct towards what you want them to do. Mm-hmm. Because even um, toddlers 
research has shown don't understand don't no do not they they don't understand not no. you know they they kind of understand do this yeah and it's hard for them to understand that do not do this so it's better for us in our in our interactions with others to tell them what we do want them to do mm-hmm. so if you have a dog who likes to jump up you know rather than saying no don't do that mm-hmm. it's better to say sit <laughs> let's go keep the paws on the ground yeah let's do this other thing and i think the same principles apply for horses and you know, to some extent with people as well. Yes, because if you say no to a horse, it wouldn't understand because the, you say no and it is thinking, uh, what should I do then? Right. Uh, because you haven't told it what to do, just what not to do. Yes. And I think sometimes the same thing happens, like I said, in, in lessons that people get as riders or, you know, they get told, don't turn your ankles out mm-hmm. or, or your toes down or whatever it is, their position. Yes. And not, I think it's better to, to say what they should do. And then mm-hmm. also, like I said, to recognize what they are doing well. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So how long have you been doing this? I'm actually quite new to it. I've been a professional for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. Uh, So not terribly long. But like I said, I I feel that my whole life has kind of led me up to this point between the psychology degree and the the coaching of relationships. I've done a lot of things that, and raising of two horses and several dogs, you know, that have taught me how to teach and how to coach and how to help others in their mindset. I've also had to work through a lot in myself. As I mentioned, I had that traumatic, um, it was actually a car crash and I had to work through all that that brought up for me. Mm -hmm. And of course, I think all of us, as we go through our horse journey are bound to sooner or later experience some pain and hurt and some fear as well yeah so I think all of that informs you know what we do and helps us to be empathic and compassionate when people are struggling or horses are struggling in their relationship with each other Hmm. I the mare that I had that I described as my heart horse she I certainly always loved her but she was a very dominant mare and very opinionated. Like I had a friend who rode her and she was just blown away by how much this mare questioned everything. Like trot, (laughs) do I have to trot? Why should I trot? You know, that's kind of the feeling you get from this horse because um, it was a little bit who she was in in her personality. And then I think also some of the ways I handled her in her early ridden work. I, she was my first young horse that I had started. So Mm. I was like, walking slow is good. I feel safe with us walking slow and trotting slow. And, you know, everything was very relaxed. And so later, as I moved up and progressed and we got to where you need more thrust and energy in dressage work, she she felt that it was unfair. She said to she felt that it was like, wait, I thought you wanted slow. Mm -hmm. I like slow. Can we keep it slow? Mm -hmm. (laughs) This is too hard. Yeah. So it was it was a challenge to learn to deal with her challenging nature and her, I didn't call it laziness. I had to learn to call it energy efficient. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't that she was who she was, was just slow and sticky and difficult, but it was more that she didn't want to expend energy. She didn't need to. So I, um, I think reframing how we think about our horses can also really help our relationship with them instead of thinking them thinking of them in terms that are negative to us more of a neutral term that helps us understand who they are and still give them room to grow yeah you know like not shaming them or or thinking that's just who they are they're never going to get better but thinking you know this is this is where we start with and we're going to get to better So eventually I learned to be more intentional with her and, 
and set the intention instead of reactive. When when I'd ask her for something and she'd fight back a little, um, she was never dangerous, but she would just, you know, no, I don't want to. And then we'd get into a little, you know, frustration match. Mm-hmm. And it's not helpful, right? That doesn't no. get anywhere. So I learned not to get frustrated, to ask again. And, and suddenly I had a horse I could work with because now I wasn't upset by her challenging me. I didn't take that personally. I wasn't frustrated by it. I, it took me a while, but I did eventually mm-hmm. learn to control my emotions in a way that I, that she felt she could trust me. Yeah. And I think she spent much of her life fighting back. Like she loved me, but at the same time was like, I don't trust you. You might get mad. <laughs> you might get frustrated. You yeah. might. And so she kind of taught me not to be that um, emotional in my riding mm. and to be a safer person for horses to be around. Yeah. And sometimes when, when the horses go slow, it's, it's, uh, they are asking, what do you want? Yes. Uh, and and they are, as you said, they are not lazy, but but they they want to know what to do, not uh yeah, not the whip or the spurs or something like that, but but finding the way to ask uh, the right question. Yes, I absolutely I agree. And I mm-hmm. think because she was my first horse starting, like I didn't understand all that at the time. And so I Anyway, I think she taught me a lot of working with different horses because she was a lot of horses in one. I would take her to a horse show and suddenly she wasn't lazy at all anymore. She was very forward, kind of touchy, like don't have to ask so hard (laughs) when I'd go into a canter and we'd have a little buck. Anyway, so I had to learn to ride a very different horse when I took her to a horse show. Yeah. And so she was kind of all horses in one for me. <laughs> she could be sensitive. She could be insensitive. She could be forward. She could be slow. She could. So she was uh, a great teacher. Uh, I unfortunately lost her when she was 14 to a fluke thing. She had a, apparently a ruptured esophagus, but it it showed by her, she stopped eating and, and had a fever. And anyway, um, it was a big ordeal. And I, it it was very sad to lose her so young. I thought she would live to be 30 or something, but yeah, she did not. But I'm very thankful to her for, for teaching me so much about horses and, and life. Yeah. And... That's uh, the difficult horses that you learn from. <laughs> yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then my other horse was also interesting. The 27 year old I mentioned, mm-hmm. she, I got her when she was 14 and she had been a dressage horse and had shown through third level, but she'd had a kind of a mystery lameness and she was very different. She was very willing, but very sensitive. And so she was able to teach me how to sort of dial down my, my questions of her. I had had to be a little bit more, clear or direct or strong with my other mare and with her I needed to be still clear but quieter Hmm. softer um, in order to help her be calm with me and not be anxious or nervous or or too forward so um, anyway she was a different kind of challenge and that was great for me to experience as well yeah they are different like Mm -hmm. us yeah. Yes, absolutely. I love yeah. all the different horse personalities. Yeah. Each one has, you know, their own unique view of, of people, of themselves and their place in it. But um, how do you find your customers? Because as we just talked about, it's, it's not that common uh, that people get to to find us because it's it's a little uh, they can't talk so much about it on the riding school for instance that they have fear so how how do they get to you most of my marketing has been by word of mouth uh, people talking to each other 
and then through social media like Facebook and Instagram. I I'm well known in this community for having a good relationship with my horse, I think, because I work at this saddle shop. So I do know a lot of other horse yeah. people through that connection, which has been nice. Yeah, and you meet a lot there. Yes. Yeah. So that helps. Um, but it, it can be tricky to find people, but I, I think that when people need help in this way, they are attracted to people like us um, in however we are out in the world, whether mm -hmm. it's at a horse show and we're riding or on social media and sharing our insights and, and photos what um, or even through other people. I think when people get to that point with their horse where they're frustrated or they're scared or whatever, they're drawn to those of us who can help. And so I just, I, I put out content out there to, to hopefully encourage people in their journey. And, um, I think the right people will find me and you and, you know, get, get some help with that. Yeah. How, um, oh, I just, uh, something to, to ask about. It's just <laughs> went away. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, um, yeah. I think it is a challenge to find people though. Like you said, there's so much pressure in the horse world mm -hmm. to go to the top trainer in the area, the one who has the most competitive success. But I've found that being a really good rider or horse trainer does not necessarily translate to being a really good coach of people. No, 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 no. They're different skill sets. Mm -hmm. uh, they're related, or they yeah. could be, in the mm -hmm. sense that if you understand learning theory and how to teach a horse and how to, you know, give them confidence in a new skill, those those things might be applicable to people as well. Um, if you're able with horses to stay calm and clear and focused and incremental in your approach, all those things may also help with people. But it might not translate, right? There are a lot of people who, when they're working with people, get distracted or bogged down by the complexity of humans, right? All of our emotions and our thoughts, we can overthink and overfeel. Mm. Some, some people get into the profession with horses, I think, because they like the simplicity of working with animals. They're more of a horse person than a person mm. who enjoys being around people. Mm -hmm. So I think there's, there's sometimes a disconnect there between people who are really good riders and trainers and people who are really good instructors of people. And I, I think I am more, not that I, not that I'm not good with horses, but I think I'm more of a people person with my background in psychology mm -hmm. and better able to be a coach. And as a, an adult amateur rider myself for many years, I understand the struggles of yeah. working a different job and trying to find the time of, you know, not being able to ride eight horses a day. So you're mm. not that fit. So how do we get ourselves, you know, to have a good relationship with the horse and, and to progress in our riding when we have all these other demands on our time and our lives? I think I understand that struggle and that mm. can help in terms of teaching people. So I think it's really unfortunate that the, the biggest barns or the, the most people follow the top rider mm. because sometimes the top rider doesn't know how to tell you what they do. No, that's right. They're a good rider, but they don't yeah. know how to translate no. because it came easy for them mm. or it's instinctive or it's, um, you know, maybe they don't fully understand how they do what they do. But someone like like us who's been through the struggle, mm -hmm. you know, maybe our body type isn't ideal for the sport and and we've learned to work with the purse the body we have and not mm -hmm. just physically but also mentally and emotionally. Yeah. And maybe we're better able to explain what it is what that we've learned to people mm -hmm. coming up. And as you said this uh, this top riders they 
do ride so many horses every day so so they have not been through the same things they 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 have a, a whole other life and i think sometimes mm. too maybe mm. there's a disconnect where they don't understand I've had a, a trainer before tell me that I should sell my horse, the one that was very challenging and very mm. frustrating. Mm. And I was like, I cannot, I have raised her her whole life. She is a member of the family. I would sooner give up dressage and do trail riding or whatever she wants That's to right. do mm. than let her go. And I think if, if horses are your profession, you need the competitive uh, mm. results. You know, of course they still get very attached to their horses. Yeah, I, I'm not discrediting that but it can look different. And when yeah. you're an amateur, it's supposed to be fun. Mm. And if your your priority is your relationship with your horse, your trainer might not understand that. Mm. But I do, because once a horse comes in my life, it's here forever. That's, That's how right. I am. Yeah. And so I get right. that in other people. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it, I ended up doing a lot of trail riding with that mare to help her, um, get to do what she enjoyed doing. So she would do what I enjoyed doing. You know, it was a, how yeah, to keep her motivated in her work good, and keep her happy. Good balance. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it, you know, it totally worked out and I'm really glad I didn't give up on her or sell her or, you know, I'm glad mm -hmm. I didn't, but. Do, do you have a program when you teach or it's just, you go from, here to there or how do you do it it's a good question so it's very in, an individualized approach mm -hmm. so i find out in the first call with a new client what their goals are what their struggles are what they've tried already to to work on the situation whether they're interested in more of a remote approach or more in person and and we go from there I, I do offer a four-week or a 12-week program so that people can, you know, get a, a taste of it. And if it's helping, do more. Or if they're really committed to change, commit to a long longer process. And, um, but it, it really depends on the individual and what their, what their issue is. I, I just, what I say is I bring all of me to every interaction. Oh. So- you get the psychology um, experienced Ingrid. You also get uh, the person who's been riding dressage for 30 years. Uh, you get so the, the things that I have learned from working with my young horse in terms of groundwork and building up their body. I don't claim to be an expert in the sense of I'm not a body worker or whatever, but I have some knowledge in all of these subjects and they can all help to build your relationship with your horse. Yeah. So I also have helped the, the professional rider I mentioned earlier with her position and some of her things that she does while she's riding in a more traditional riding lesson type way. Mm -hmm. um, because as I was watching her, that's what I was seeing. And, and she was very receptive to taking that as well. So it just depends on what their needs are. Mm -hmm. um, it's a very individualized approach I think that's really important I'm the same way when I'm riding or training a horse that to me who they are physically, mentally, emotionally really mm -hmm. factors in to how I'm going to approach riding them or working with them Yeah, you have to feel, feel in somehow yeah, like yeah. a horse that's very stressed and has a high set head carriage and a tight back we're going to work on feeling more com confident and comfortable and more relaxed and a lower headset long before we do any lateral work or mm. or or upper That's level right. work so it just depends on where the horse is at and where the rider is too yeah so where do people find you if they need you do you have any homepage or Facebook page or something like that? I do. I have a Facebook page called Harmonious Equestrian Connection. And on that page, I uh, you can certainly message me. I also have a actually a podcast of my own by the same name. Um, it's 
kind of limited in scope, but I hope to do more with that in the future. And I have an Instagram account as well, which is just, uh, I guess you can find me there, Ingrid K. Henry. Okay. So a couple of different ways to, to reach me there. Yep. Yeah. Sounds great. So do you have anything more to tell about your work or have we discussed the most of it? I feel like we've covered most of it. I just mm -hmm. really want, my passion is to help people have mm -hmm. a more connected relationship with their horse. I think that's what most of us really want. We want that heart horse that we really trust, who really yeah. trusts us, that we feel safe together and can have fun together. And I think a lot of, a lot of people don't know how to get there with the horse that they have. They love yeah. them, but they might not have all the, the tools, I guess, mm -hmm. and the support that they need to find that. So hopefully we will, you and I both help people to find that relationship with their horse. Yeah. Really, really great and exciting to talk to you and hear about your way to think about it. And, and I think we are very similar in our thinking. Yeah. So thank you very much for coming today. It has been a pleasure. And I hope you get a lot of people on your board. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much. So thank you all of you out there for listening and looking today. And I hope you want to subscribe so you can be on next week again, where we have a new exciting person that I'm speaking with. So have a great day and see you again later. Bye bye.